In our second reading today, St. Paul makes an incredibly important distinction between being equal and being identical. At first glance, these two terms seem synonymous, but the dictionary sees a difference. Identical is defined as having such close resemblance as to be essentially the same, while equal is defined as of the same measure, quantity, amount, or number as another. To use a silly analogy, think of two buckets that are the same size, one red and one blue. These buckets are not identical because they are different colors, but they are equal because they can hold the same amounts and perform the same tasks. This distinction is incredibly important when it comes to people. Take men and women, for example. Few people claim that men and women are identical. They clearly have different biological traits and are often considered to have different relational and personality traits as well. But we all hold that they are equal. Equal in dignity, equal in humanity, equally made in the image and likeness of God. Our society today very much struggles with the difference between being equal and being identical. To continue the analogy with men and women, first-wave feminism of the late 19th and early 20th century focused on recognizing women as equal to men in their ability to vote, work, and contribute to society. But second-wave feminism of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s focused more on making women identical to men, specifically through birth control and abortion, which allow women to have sex in exactly the same way that men do, without any possibility of getting pregnant or having to carry a child to term. While this push seemed to serve to strengthen equality by allowing women to stay in the workforce for longer periods of time, many people today realize that it also strengthened the male-dominated nature of society by forcing women to become identical to men in order to maintain their equality. Instead, many feminists today are calling for a renewed focus on issues like paid maternal leave, or child-friendly workplaces, as these would allow women to be equal to men in society while also preserving and protecting, rather than destroying or ignoring, something that is unique to women, that is, the ability to bear a child. All right, that's enough on the relationship between the sexes. Let's return to St. Paul and his discussion of the body of Christ. And as a quick note, for the sake of this homily, I will be taking the theological shortcut of using the body of Christ and the church interchangeably, as Catholic theology often does. But if you want more nuance, you can reference the document Lumen Gentium from the Second Vatican Council. So, the entirety of our second reading focuses on how we, in the church, can be equal without being identical how the church can sustain differences without creating inequality. 
St. Paul begins with our equality. He says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one spirit. And St. Paul must begin with our equality. Diversity without equality turns diversity into a system of oppression, where different races, sexes, or social classes consider themselves superior and use that superiority to deny others their proper dignity before God. Without equality, even different offices of the church can become oppressive, a fact we will touch on in a moment. No, at our origin, all human beings are created equal, with equal dignity before God. And that equality is only strengthened when we are united into the one body of Christ through the one Holy Spirit. However, even though we are equal, we are not all identical. We are each born with different biological traits and personalities, Our different upbringings give us unique perspectives and life experiences. And our different educations give us different knowledge and proficiencies. The Church, because she is a human expression of a divine reality, reflects this diversity, not simply encompassing every era and culture, but also structuring herself in such a way that different people contribute to the work of the Church in different ways. Now, we could see this as merely an accommodation of the Church to reality, as an accident. But St. Paul takes it a step further. He says, But as it is, God placed the parts, each one of them, in the body as he intended. St. Paul tells us that it is God himself who desires the diversity of the church, lest the entire body be all hearing with no smell, or all feet with no heads. And St. Paul is talking about so much more than just natural diversity, like culture. He is talking about roles in the church, and he gets specific. Apostles, which are today's bishops and priests. Prophets, who are today's evangelists and missionaries. Teachers, who are today's theologians. And those who perform mighty deeds, or who heal, assist, or administer who are in many ways today's parish staff and ministry volunteers. And all of these roles are intended by God to be present and to be distinct within the church. But after enumerating the diversity of the church, St. Paul returns to its equality as a reminder that equality is foundational. He says, But God has so constructed the body that there may be no division in the body, but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share its joy.
Now, the church has historically failed the vision of St. Paul in two ways, both of which we must guard against. The first is a denial of the equality of all the members of the church, often expressed as the belief that religion and mission belong to the clergy and religious alone. Yes, because religious and clergy give their lives to the church in a unique way, they have a unique role. But that role does not make them superior, only unique. God calls every single one of us here to participate fully and completely in his body, the church. We are all equal in our participation and in our baptismal mission to preach the gospel to all nations. Most of the time, when someone has had a bad experience with a priest, for example, it is not because the priest was living out his unique role in the church, but because he was carrying out that role in a way that did not recognize the dignity of his fellow Christians. A priest may be called upon to make decisions, but he must never act like a dictator. And a priest is more bound, not less bound, by the demands of God he communicates in his preaching and teaching. Oftentimes, this denial of equality in the body of Christ is called clericalism, and it must be repudiated. However, the second way we have historically failed the vision of St. Paul is when we insist on everyone being identical, not just equal. This has expressed itself in two ways. One was to insist that all prayer should look like monastic prayer, forcing lay people into a vision of communion with God at odds with the reality of their lives. St. Francis de Sales, whose feast day was last Thursday, is the great and wonderful saint who railed against this tendency. The other practice that insisted that being equal meant being identical was the practice of having priests and religious act like laity. Many of you probably remember a time in the church, even very recently, when priests were moved out of the sanctuary, when priests did not really preside at the Mass or preach, when priests and religious gave up their distinctive clothes and distinctive titles so that there would be no distinction at all between the priest, the nun, and the layperson. But again, this is an extreme. We might call it an abuse. Priests, as well as deacons, as well as religious, have a distinct role to play in the church that is not identical to the role of the laity. And this role is far more than a job or a ministry. It is a way of being in and among the body of Christ. Many of you will have noticed, for example, that I always wear my Roman collar and I insist on being called Father. This is not because I think that I am somehow superior to the laity. And I am very sad when people associate these things with priests in the past who abused their authority and did not respect the equality of all the baptized. 
I strive to break that example. But I still wear the collar and use the title anyway, because it is the role that God has given me within his church. And I should like to think that if he has given me the role, he would want me to live it out distinctively. To paraphrase St. Augustine, for you I am a priest, but with you I am a Christian. I am thankful for the equality we all share in the body of Christ, and I am also thankful for the unique role I am called to play as a member of that body. So, where do we go from here? I think St. Paul is giving us two challenges. First, he is challenging us to ask where we fit into the body of Christ. Each of us is an equal member of the body of Christ, and each of us has a role to play. Maybe it's helping in the parish office, or teaching a faith formation class, or maintaining the grounds and facilities, or just being the person who steps up when the parish has a financial need. Each of us does have a role to play, and we should ask Jesus what that role is. Second, St. Paul is challenging us to regard all of these roles as necessary and important. Do we look down on our fellow parishioners because their ministries are less time-consuming or seemingly less impactful than ours? Or do we look at our own roles in the church and think we are useless or unimportant? It is the will of God that the church should have a diversity of members. So we should be thankful for each of the many different roles that God has given us in his church. And now to deviate from the text a little bit, because sometimes the Holy Spirit pulls me when I'm preaching, I should note that it's not all about activism. It's not just ministries. Many of you spend much of your time raising a family. That is very much a ministry of the church, and it very much fits into the vision of St. Paul. So again, if you're looking upon your ministry and saying, I don't have an impact or it's not important, that's wrong. You absolutely matter. A church without equality is dangerous. A church without diversity is sickly and boring. God knows what he is about. And I am so thankful that he gave us a church that is a powerful expression of both equality and diversity.